You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 108 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchot, and this is the show for August 2022. For the first time in the 107 previous episodes, I have not managed to get myself a panel together. That is because three things have sort of lined up. Um, The most difficult month always and perpetually to get a panel together has always been for the August show. It is very much the height of the silly season. And I have a bunch of stuff going on in my personal life that it's not bad stuff. It's just time consuming and, you know, life is doing that thing it does. And I have a bunch of stuff going on in my work life that's taking up a fair bit of mental time and energy. So most difficult month to get a panel and far too little time to give it the appropriate amount of effort needed in those circumstances. So basically, no panel. So I am going to do my best to give you a balanced view of the month's Apple news. I may have to argue with myself, or I'll try to be balanced anyway. I'll try to channel my inner Tom Merritt and be scrupulously um, impartial. Well, as usual, let us start with some updates and follow-ups to long-running stories we've been tracking for a while, and more recent stuff, like, say, one of the quick stories at the end of the last episode was that there were yet more issues uh, affecting the uh, somewhat troubled launch of the studio display. There were speaker issues. Well, there was a firmware update released, I think, within 24 hours of publishing the show, uh, which addressed those issues, so that problem has been resolved. Um, We know that earlier in the year, Apple started their self-service repair program with uh, iPhones. That has now been expanded to include the M1 range of MacBooks of various kinds. Uh, Apple had promised they would, and they have. It is still US only, though. Uh, We we know that iPadOS 16 is on the way, or we know that iOS 16 is on the way, quote, in the fall... What we now unfortunately also know is that the iPad variant will be delayed. There will be no iPadOS 16.0. iPadOS will not join the party until 16.1. We also learned at uh, WWDC about Xcode Cloud, which is a way for developers to have their work in the cloud so they can easily pick up where they left off and basically work from anywhere. Uh, That is now available. Developers can subscribe. We've also talked a lot about our friends, in the loosest possible sense of the word, at the NSO Group, um, the makers of the Pegasus spyware that affected Apple devices and Android devices and basically was used to do nefarious stuff for quite some time. Well, we've kind of known that they want to be sold because that's kind of the only chance the company has of getting anything out of itself. Well, it seems to be they seem to be getting their ducks in a row on that front, shall we say. Uh, They will have 100 fewer employees, which will make the company more attractive to a new buyer. And uh, there also happens to now be a vacancy in uh, the CEO position, which is also a really good way to make yourself viable, because then a new CEO can just slot right in. 
So yes, the NSO group would appear to be, if not actually up for sale, very shortly to be up for sale. Of course, antitrust continues to rumble on. Because we have a mix of resolution-ish and new issues. Um, So we know that Apple entered a settlement with Japan and part of that settlement was to allow so-called reader apps to have a button to direct people out of the app to the website to sign up to the appropriate service. Well, Netflix is a reader app and even though the Japanese uh, settlement was quite some time ago, Netflix continue to not have an external subscription button. Until this month, they have added the button, and when you click on it, you get an appropriately ominous uh, warning telling you that you're leaving Apple's App Store and the safety net is gone, and if you have a query, Apple can't help, which is all reasonable, because it's true, right? It's not like other subscriptions where Apple have a really good management system and lots of transparency and they don't share your data. No, no, you're off... You're off to Netflix where they get to have all of your data and, well, you're at Netflix's mercy. Now, Netflix happened to be a reputable company, so it's probably fine. But anyway, the warning is appropriate. We also know that in South Korea, they passed a law which they know locally as the Google law because Google is so much bigger than Apple over there. Uh, But of course, Apple are also covered by this law and both Apple and Google are now under investigation because the South Korean government suspects that they're violating the new law they introduced, I think it was last year, about in-app payments. So uh, we shall see how that investigation goes. If I were a gambling person, I would definitely bet on Apple and Google being discovered to be not complying with the law. I'm almost certain that would be the case. Now we move on to new antitrust issues for Apple. In what I can only describe as a daft case, I'll do my best to be polite. What is it? Yeah, daft is the most polite thing I can say. French publishers seek injunction against Apple's app tracking transparency program. Basically, we built our business model on spying on people without their permission. Apple are stopping us from exploiting people's privacy against their knowledge. Therefore, that's anti-competitive and they must be stopped from protecting users. No, that is ridiculous. Okay, I'm not doing a great job of uh, being impartial on this one, but no, it's ridiculous. Um, Tinder is owned by a much bigger company called Match, and they are quite cranky at Apple because they have to pay App Store fees. So they uh, are making use of the fact that India is already quite hostile to the concept of closed app stores. And I'm assuming they're riding high on the back of dating apps getting a special exemption in in the Netherlands. Anyway, they are suing in India to have Apple, basically an antitrust case against Apple in India, over in-app payments in their dating apps. So again... The Indian government seems quite receptive, so that uh, that is very likely to develop into something more significant. Uh, it hasn't gone away, much as I wish it would. Epic Games versus Apple. It will be back in court in October. So, uh, the 21st of October, to be specific. So, uh, the October show will unfortunately contain more Epic v. Apple news. I guess the good news is it's unlikely to make much news in the September show, and this is the last we have to mention them in the August show, so yay, I suppose. 
And then finally, in the follow-up section, uh, oh no, not finally, subsequently, nearly finally, what away from finally, but ultimately, uh, India is joining the list of companies that is looking to force the use of USB-C for phones. So we have Europe heading that way, there's mumblings about it in the United States, and now India is also heading that way. So I, look folks, I think Apple were heading that way too. But it uh, seems ever more likely that, if not the next iPhone, the one after that is going to be USB-C. And uh, now, actually, finally, um, we have talked a lot about supply chains and how, well, initially they were suffering from COVID. And then they were suffering from the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Not a special operation, an invasion, just to be clear. Not a war, it's an invasion. Uh, anyway, sorry, getting distracted. I get off my high horse. Um, as part of that, Apple are kind of exposed. In fact, it goes back even further. It also goes back to the trade war between the US and China. So having all of your manufacturing eggs in the Chinese basket has been dangerous for Apple. But uh, turns out there's a whole other way it's dangerous, apart from all of the ways we already knew about. China is experiencing one of its worst droughts due to climate change. And that is forcing China to make difficult decisions because manufacturing is a heavy user of water and people need water to live. And so, as things got particularly bad, China basically turned off business and went, no, this has to go to the human beings who we need to not have die. Uh, Now, Apple were allowed to open earlier than other companies. When I say Apple, it's Foxconn, but they're making stuff for Apple. But nonetheless, that is another another major disruption to supply chains from a reason that wasn't on my radar just yet. It was sort of on my radar in the sense that we all know global warming is going to cause trouble in the future, but the future is now. So, you know, anyway, that that is a development that has developed. And definitely related news, Apple plans to move manufacturing of Apple Watch and MacBooks to Vietnam. Right, if all of your eggs are in the one basket and that basket is looking shaky, start shifting some eggs to some other baskets as quickly as you can. So Vietnam is going to pick up on some of that business from Apple. Moving us on then to legal latest, the, I kind of like these stories, which is very unusual for this section. They're basically both endings. So we talked last time that uh, Qualcomm had. Basically, a court had overturned a one billion with a B uh, dollar. I'm sure it was a euro amount, but it's equivalent to a billion dollars um, for paying Apple to use its chips exclusively. And the court had ruled basically that uh, the commission was wrong to fine uh, Qualcomm for that. And the question was, well, will the commission appeal? No, they will not. Case closed. Fine gone. Meanwhile, Apple has settled a lawsuit with a developer, quite a notorious, not notorious, that makes it sound uh, nefarious, a famous developer. Um, this developer was the, is the developer of FlickType, uh, which predates but somewhat competes with Apple's swipey keyboards, and his app was rejected from the App Store, and then he did a lot of digging onto a lot of abuses on the App Store and made basically brought a lot of light onto a lot of shady stuff on the App Store, which I think is a real service to society. Anyway, he sued Apple for rejecting his app, having Sherlocked it. 
Um, and Apple decided it was probably best to uh, deal with it out of court and make it go away. We have no idea exactly how it was settled. We just know that it has been settled. Moving us on to Apple HR and acquisition news. We had sort of mentioned at the end of the earnings call that Apple were going to be cutting back on their hiring, and we mentioned last month that Apple were they had fired recruiters, or I think they were outsourced recruiters. So I guess fired is possibly not the wrong, not quite the right word. But anyway, they were Apple were getting rid of their recruiters. Um, something else that I have noticed is that this section of the show notes has been around for a few years, and it's called Apple HR and acquisition news, and. In the early months of this segment's existence, it was always kind of a 50-50 thing. You know, 50-50, you know, comings and goings, you know, important people joining and leaving Apple. And 50-50, Apple buying cool companies. And it's been really quiet on the acquisitions front. And I sort of thought it was just me. Maybe I'm not picking up the news properly. No, no, I was picking up the news just fine. Apple have simply massively reduced how many companies they buy. So... uh, There was a study done uh, based on uh, some FTC filings and uh, Apple bought seven times as many companies in 2020 as they have across both 2021 and 2022 to date. So basically in the last one and a half years, they have bought one seventh as many companies as they bought in 2020. Very clearly, they are seriously slowing down on their acquisitions, which is why this segment of the show notes has been so empty. And they also appear to be backing out of previous sort of kind of acquisitions. Uh, Apple famously took a pretty major stake in, or a major investment into uh, ride-hailing company Didi in China. Big um, innovators, or certainly people working very heavily in the uh, autonomous driving sphere. And one of the things Apple got for their billion dollars was a seat on the board. Well, Apple has vacated that seat. and There hasn't really been an explanation why. So they appear to be backing away from Didi. And then finally, Apple's chief privacy officer, Jane Horvath, is moving on. Um, she's leaving Apple to go work at a private law firm who I believe is involved in the Epic case of memory serves. Certainly following one of the major recent Apple cases. Um, If you watched Apple's contribution to security conferences and privacy conferences, you may well have seen presentations by uh, Jane Horvath. She she was a very good speaker, and she is also very influential within Apple in how Apple as a company thinks about privacy. So Apple's excellent privacy stance is, if not her idea, she certainly gave that idea flesh, and she was certainly one of its biggest champions. So her contribution to Apple has been fantastic very positive from my point of view so i hope she as a person is very happy with her move but me as an apple user i'm sad to see her go okay next segment we have apple services and original content highlights well the first one is apple card which had a very mixed month on the one hand we have Goldman Sachs credit card practices under investigation by U.S. Watchdog. That is not a good news story. I also thought it was hilarious that uh, Goldman's answer to why their practices were so shoddy, why they were doing such a bad job of giving similar people similar quotes, 
Uh, I think one famous case was Waz's wife got a ridiculous quote compared to him and they had fully shared finances. So she really should have gotten the same quote, only there would appear to have been some sort of bias in the algorithm. Anyway, that was one of the more high profile issues. There was uh, complaints made and that is what's leading to this investigation. And um, Goldman Sachs say that the reason they had such terrible problems is because the Apple card was just too darn successful. Too hard to hire people to do the work properly. Gosh darn it, we were just too good. Now, as much as I hate that defence, and as much as I think that is a ridiculous defence, I kind of think it might actually have grown too fast. And it might be because it's actually a really good service, uh, because... Nielsen found that, uh, well, actually, the most, the credit card, which gets the highest ranking in user satisfaction in the United States, is the Goldman Sachs Apple credit card. So, okay, I guess maybe their defense actually is this thing is too good and we couldn't staff up quick enough. Oh, well. Moving on to Apple Care Plus. <clears throat> this, I mean, to people in the US, this is news, but around the world, Apple Care Plus is... A varied offering. We tend not to get the coolest and shiniest features until long after they have been tested in the United States. So three more countries can avail of loss and theft coverage. Those being France, Italy and Spain. And uh, something else Americans say for granted is that you can buy AppleCare in annual installments instead of having to buy all three or three years up front. Or two, I think, for iOS devices. Anyway, there are more countries that can now buy their Apple Care Plus year by year, and those would be Australia, Canada, and Japan. Apple Pay then has come to another fairly major Asian country. It has come to Malaysia in partnership with Maybank, Ambank, and the Standard Chartered Bank. And one of those banks actually accidentally published the news a little bit prematurely, which was a little bit funny. But anyway, it launched. It's all good. It's up and running. So Malaysians can Apple Pay. It's good for them. Um, Apple Maps got a little bit of an improvement in the United States. Cycling directions are now available in all 50 of said United States. So as a cyclist who once made the mistake of trying to cycle with driving instructions and discovering that was a terrible idea. It sent me on the biggest, most evil road so that I had a what I thought was a brainwave. I will cycle with the walking instructions. Well, you know, Apple Maps very correctly knows that humans can do stairs. Oopsie. So yeah, that, neither of those work. So I am really am waiting for Ireland to get cycle directions because cycling is neither driving nor walking. So good on Americans. You now all have cycling directions. Apple Podcasts has actually seen, you know, some developments this month. So the sort of the biggest contenty news is that Apple are definitely moving more into this original podcast thing that they've been dipping their toe in the water of. They have uh, done a deal with a company called Futuro Studios, who are pretty darn good at this podcasting thing and have literally a Pulitzer Prize to uh, show for it. So that will certainly help their original podcast content improve. And just podcasts in general is also being tweaked a bit. So I have them down here in the show notes as related stories. We have um, Apple Podcast Marketing Tool for Social Media has been released. Helps you make little graphics and stuff for your podcast to pimp it on the various social media. And uh, paid Apple Podcast subscriptions have grown by 300% in the last year. Uh, definitely very much the low baseline issue. But nonetheless, tripling a small baseline is still tripling. Still 
you know, the right direction of growth. And as long as those big numbers are easy to get, why not get them? They make for good headlines. But yes, paid podcast subscriptions are growing. Moving on then to Apple TV Plus. Uh, Friday Night Baseball. A, they've announced the uh, schedule for September. And B, they've announced that there are more countries who can get to watch. Um, Colombia, the Dominican Republic, Germany and Italy get to join the uh, Friday Night Baseball party. If you have kids and you like to entertain them with the what we you joke, jokingly call the idiot box here in the British Isles, um, good news. Apple TV Plus have announced their autumn schedule and it is chock-a-block with cool new uh, content for kids, including more stuff from Peanuts, which is always welcome. And, of course, award season is coming back around again. And I've stopped doing nominations unless they're really spectacular. But uh, Severance and Ted Lasso did very well at the Hollywood Critics Awards. They transformed 53 nominations into seven awards. Uh, Just a quote from the article, Apple TV Plus Today was recognised as the most winning streaming service by the Hollywood Critics Association Streaming Television Awards, announced Apple. Scoring seven wins, including Best Drama, Severance and Best Comedy, Ted Lasso. And then on the other side of the pond, Apple TV Plus have won their first Edinburgh Television Festival Award with uh, Pachinko getting an award over in Scotland, which is nice. Right, I did mention it was a silly season. So not only is it difficult to get panellists in a silly season, it is also difficult to get stories. Uh, We do have two stories I have named main stories but you know i may be somewhat stretching it anyway we have two main stories we have a collection of stuff i have grouped together under a more hr strife at apple as our first story and then our second story is uh, something i very very rarely do in this podcast it's basically a story about rumors pretty strong rumors uh it would appear that Apple is getting ready to sell more advertisements. So there are two main stories. Main story number one then, more HR strife at Apple. At Apple, And really the, the biggest development here was a fairly hard-hitting piece in the uh, Financial Times outlining some, the most polite thing I could say is shortcomings. And how Apple HR dealt with female employees reporting issues. So, you know, managers who are making inappropriate advances and things like that, and basically being told, ah, yeah, well, they're going on holidays. I'm sure you'll have it all figured out by the time they get back. An absolutely ridiculous and utterly unacceptable nonsense like that. So the article is pretty hard hitting. And Apple's response was interesting. They basically said, We have extremely high expectations and we have extremely high standards. Clearly, we fell short. Oh, okay, not a denial. And they promised to do better. So I guess if they live up to that, good on them. But certainly, if you're looking for happy news, do not read the Wall Street article. And it's also behind a paywall. So you can save yourself some money by not reading it. But no, it's, yeah, it was not good. Uh, then there was also, oh, yeah, 
I just realised I slightly jumped my own gun here. So I said earlier in this show that I had said last month that Apple laid off 100 recruiters because of the more deliberate hiring Tim Cook promised at the earnings call. Turns out that story happened a few, literally just days after I published the last show. So it's actually in this month's show that I'm saying it. I'm saying it right now. Apple have laid off 100 recruiters. Um, and yet again... Tim Cook is having a go at bringing Apple employees back to the office. Um, and once again, a non-zero chunk of the Apple workforce is cranky about the concept. Now, it's not five days. It's uh, a specific two and then one additional day to be decided by each section manager. So three days a week. And uh, finally, I found a good news story for this section to throw in here. Uh, there is a lot of issues in big tech, particularly in Google, actually. I'm hearing a lot of it um, with the Indian caste system, which is technically illegal in India as well. But it's definitely a thing that happens where you have caste-based discrimination. Well, Apple have just point-blank banned it. So you cannot ex- discriminate by caste within Apple explicitly. Uh, I think just... More companies just need to follow suit on that. It, it should absolutely, utterly unacceptable. But it's racism, plain and simple. It's just instead of it being the colour of your skin, it's which arbitrary category we've decided to throw you into based on the accident of the womb you happen to be born out of. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, okay, I'm not doing the good thing at this impartial thing, am I? I'm not channeling my inner Tom Ayers at all. But no, I'm not going to defend discrimination. Well done, Apple. Uh, and then we should also mention... Our long-running, relatively long-running story is that all of the employee crankiness, unionization is a thing. All that is trundling along, nothing too dramatic. Um, we have uh, one of the Apple stores that did vote to unionize. They are putting out surveys to prepare themselves to get into negotiations with Apple to improve conditions. So they want to know what the employees actually want. Seems very sensible. Getting practice at being a union. Uh, and then Apple Together Australia has invited. Uh, Apple workers, Apple store workers, in fact, in Australia to a briefing on unionization. So there's obviously a move afoot. So we know that it's happening in Scotland, it's happening in the UK in general, and it's also now apparently happening in Australia. So I think we may hear about many more unionized uh, Apple stores over time. Well, that's uh, the end of that main story number one. So let us move on to main story number two. It is appears, based on reporting by Mark Gurman, who is, who's earned a reputation, frankly. You know, yes, this is technically rumour because Apple have not said any of this, but Mark Gurman's track record means that you kind of have to take it seriously. So, the headline on the Ars Technica piece sums it up quite well. Apple ad exec wants to more than double ad revenue with new ads across iOS. And the important quote, Gurman wrote in his email newsletter this week that Apple Advertising VP Tob Teresi? It's one of the more letters than that. I'm terrible at this reading out loud thing. Todd Teresi began reporting directly to Apple Services head Eddie Q a few months back. So middle management taken away. The head of advertising has become more important in the company. And then uh, Mark Gurman went on to write that uh, Teresi plans to increase Apple's ad revenue from $4 billion annually 
uh, to billions in double digits. So I guess 10, 12, etc. Hence getting this notion of tripling or doubling or tripling. So that is substantial. And my gut reaction was very negative. My gut and my considered reaction is negative. Not very negative, just negative. A point that I that I think needs to be made, I, it's not something I've ever disagreed with, but I'm not sure I've always had it front of mind. And Apple Insider, the story is linked in the show notes, expressed this very, very important point very well. I'll just give you their headline. Apple has never been against advertising. It's against invasive data collection. Now, I've been saying the same thing in a different way, uh, particularly on uh, Alison Sheridan's uh, Security Bits segment, or my Security Bits segment on Alison Sheridan's Silicast podcast. Or our, anyway, that segment on Alison's wonderful show. It is, advertising can be sold in two ways. You can sell ads based on the context in which the ad will appear. This is how television advertisement, radio advertisement, and magazine advertisement has always been. Your television cannot target you. It is a broadcast. Everyone sees the same thing. The radio cannot target you. It is a broadcast. And a magazine cannot target you because it is one print run. They're all the same. So how do you sell ads? Well, you do it the original way. If the magazine is running articles about travel to Ireland, then Irish hotels will be very likely to buy the ad space next to those articles or on the you know an important page within that issue if the whole issue is dedicated to Ireland, say. Or if it's Sky and Telescope, then Mead Optics are quite likely to advertise their wonderful range of telescopes in that magazine. If it's a TV show aimed at millennials, then anyone trying to sell avocado toast of some form will want to buy ads during those TV shows. Okay, apologies to millennials. I think I might even be one technically. Uh, But you get what I mean. You can sell ads based on where the ad will appear. Contextual advertising is what it's called. And Google changed the model to don't track where the ad appears, track who's looking at the ad and sell ads that way, which is personalized ads, which involves massive privacy invasion to make that possible. And Google have managed to brainwash the vast majority of the population to the point where they believe that the choice is invasive advertising or no advertising and hence having to pay for everything. That is a false dichotomy. There are contextual ads. and. That is the way Apple do ads, is contextually. They don't do it by invading your privacy. The problem is, Google have so succeeded, and Facebook, frankly, in getting us all to believe that it really is a choice between invasive ads or no ads, that everyone assumes if Apple's running ads, they must be running invasive ads. They must be about to hoover up all of our privacy. They must be about to throw all of the great work done over all of these years uh, by, uh, what's the name of that executive who I mentioned earlier? I should not go off the cuff. I'm terrible at remembering names. Uh, Jane Horvath, right? They're going to take all of Jane's hard work and throw it away to make a quick book. 
I don't think Apple are going to do that. I am pretty darn sure that whatever Apple do in ads is not going to be a privacy issue. That's not why I'm cranky about the concept of more ads. I'm cranky about the concept of more ads because I don't like double dipping. If I do not pay you in money, then I expect you to get your value in other ways. So when I search Google for free and Google monetizes that by showing me ads, well, that seems fair. It is a trade. I want your search results. You want a little bit of my privacy. Rather give you my money, but you won't take it. So, okay, fine. You can have my privacy. No, you know, it's it's a trade. Well, Apple get a heck of a lot of my money. So, I truly to goodness, having bought premium devices, have the right to use those devices without being advertised at. Furthermore, I give Apple a lot of money every month for their services. I don't bet anything to Facebook. I don't use them either, but let's pretend I have a Facebook. They show me ads because I don't pay them anything. I pay Apple a lot of money for their services. How dare you shove ads into the paid-for service I'm paying you for? So that's why I'm cranky. Again, with the impartial thing not working very well. So to me, this isn't a privacy issue. This is purely an, you sell a premium product, you charge a premium price for your services. What the heck are you doing shoving ads into them? How dare you dilute the experience like that? Well, dare is probably too strong a word. Sounds a bit too entitled. But no, I am the customer. Hang on, no, I'm the customer. I'm allowed to be entitled. I'm literally paying for the right to be cranky. Yes, I'm pay- I've paid for my rant today. <laughs> Many times over. There is also a more subtle point that I have made a few times before, and I do think is a valid point. Because people conflate ads with privacy invasion, people will assume that Apple are invading privacy. And the conversation you have to have with friends and family that, no, 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 ads on Apple Maps are not invading your privacy, but ads on Facebook are. That can be factually completely true. That is a really hard argument to have. It the amount of what ifism or you know that you know Google are doing something wrong. Yeah, but look at Apple. Right, the amount of that that is going to go on, and the amount of times you're going to write two or three paragraphs to explain that no, 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 Apple do ads, but they're not the bad ads. It just throws so much mud in the water. It just makes everything murkier. It makes Apple's private it doesn't make Apple's privacy stance actually hypocritical, but it makes it appear hypocritical. And a bit like conflict of interest in Supreme Courts and stuff, the appearance of impropriety is enough to destroy the reputation of a court. They have to be not just above doing wrong, they need to be obviously above it. You cannot have the appearance of wrongdoing. Well, it will look like Apple are being hypocrites. I know they won't be. But try explain that to your friends and family. Have a go. It won't work. And Apple's PR department, they're brilliant. They're not magic. This 
is in my humble... No, it's not a humble opinion. This is in my unhumble opinion a terrible idea. Makes me, as you may have noticed, a little bit cranky. There's no panel here to rein me in, so I'm not being my usual impartial self. Anyway, I'm cranky. Also is the end of our two whopping whole main stories. Before I wrap out this solo show, just uh, some quick stories. Uh, some of the news that happened in all things Apple in the very quiet month of August 2022. Beats partnered with Kim Kardashian on a range of neutral, i.e. flesh-coloured Beats Fit Pros. And they sold out very quickly. So they appear to be popular. Nice range of colours, of tones. Clearly, a product people wanted. Apple are continuing their focus on education. I don't think, I think it's waned a lot since the 80s, but nonetheless, it has continued to some extent, and it continues today with the launch of Education Community, which is a uh, community with free teaching resources for people who teach with iOS devices. Uh, Apple have also extended a repair program for iPhone 12 models affected with the no sound issue. This is a thing. It doesn't affect all iPhones 12, but a bunch of iPhones 12 suffer from an issue where sound is a problem. There was a repair program. It was due to end. It is not ending. If you have an iPhone 12 and this happens, you keep getting your cheap or free fix. Uh, The future is coming. It is called USB 4 2.0. Because that is, like, USB is already a confusing mess. So we're improving USB 4, but we're not calling it USB 5, because that would make too much sense. We're calling it USB 2.0. It'll be great, it'll go at 80 gigabits per second, but you're still going to have all of this magic of just because the cable fits doesn't mean anything at all. Basically, it becomes even more confusing and a little bit, well, okay, substantially faster. But speed isn't the problem with USB 4 1.0. The problem with USB 4.0 is rampant confusion. That's what needed addressing, not a speed bump. Anyway, I'm ranting again. I should stop doing that. Uh, The European Commission have created draft proposals that if they go from draft to being real, would affect Apple. And it's part of an ongoing e-waste initiative within the EU. What is Planned to be mandated is that smartphone vendors will need to continue to provide spare parts for five years so that devices remain repairable for five years. And battery technology must be improved to the point where the devices can make it through 500 full charge cycles without losing, basically keeping the battery health at a minimum of 83% from the original. So again, All just proposals, but uh, as a user of these devices, I kind of like the sound of that. Yes, make the iPhone more repairable for longer. Yes, make my battery last longer. Sounds good to me. Finally, finally then, uh, Apple have scheduled a media event called Far Out. The happy day is September the 7th, which is just a few days away as I record this. So uh, we'll talk about that next week then. Not next week, next month. I imagine I'll have no trouble getting a panel together after Apple have just given us a whole bunch of goodies. People are very quick to reply to my emails looking for panelists when Apple have released a whole bunch of goodies. Really hope Apple have some nice goodies. Anyway, we shall find out soon enough what they do or don't have. 
Right, well, that draws a line under it. Uh, normally, I would thank my panel, but since they don't exist, I'll thank myself. No, that doesn't work. Oh, well, I guess I'll just tell you that you will find detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie, where you also find big blue buttons under the heading support the show. These are different ways you can practically, which is a euphemism for financially, support the show. Um, I really appreciate everyone who does or ever has supported the show financially, either by making a one-off PayPal donation or becoming a subscriber on Patreon. The idea with Patreon is it's a very efficient way to allow small dollar contributions. If you if you make a $1 donation to me through something like PayPal, I'm not joking, PayPal get more than half because of how the fee structure works. Whereas if you want to make a one-off bigger donation, PayPal's amazing. If you send me $10, I get like well over $9 of that. I actually, it's if you donate one euro, I get 41 cents. If you donate 10 euro, I get, depending on, on your address, validation status, and a few the bits and bobs, I get about 9 euro and 40 cents. So it is definitely efficient to use PayPal intermittently, every now and then for one off or sporadic donations. That's what it's amazing for. What Patreon is amazing for is getting around the fee problem that normally comes with small dollar donations. So very cleverly, Patreon let you make a whole bunch of pledges to a whole bunch of podcasts and they take money out of your credit card at the end of the month in one transaction upon which fees have to be paid. And then they gather together all of that money from all of the patrons of all of the podcasts and all of the artists of every form that they support. And they aggregate all of that money together and then they make one transaction to each creator with the appropriate amount of payoff. So it's one single large dollar amount, so the PayPal fees are extremely efficient in both directions, which is why supporting the show on Patreon works so well for that ongoing, I won't call it a trickle because that sounds, uh, sounds somewhat pejorative, that ongoing flow of money, which is what makes this show possible. This show is 100% listener supported. There are no ads. There are no sponsors. There are no, you know, I don't, I'm not paid to say things. It is you, the listeners, who pay the bills, which means I am free to be as cranky about anything that I want to be. Or as nice about anything I want to be. And you know that when I say nice things, I really do mean it. So, thank you very much to everyone who ever has or ever does support the show financially. But it is a fact I am extremely well aware of through, you know, I've been alive. I've been a student. You know, I have experienced money being a thing that you need to watch like a hawk. And pennies needing to be pinched to an inch of their lives. I have been there. I have done that. I know that there are lots of you listening who either don't think I'm worth the money, which is fair enough, it's your opinion. Or are just not in a position to support financially. Which is absolutely, totally, utterly fair enough. And not only is it fair enough, if I find out that someone who's struggling financially is wasting money that should be going on healthier food or whatever, right? Buy an apple or like a nectarine or a nice fruit. Don't give me money if you're struggling. Do not give me money if you're struggling. Instead, just spread the word about the show. Post about it on social media. Tell a friend in real life. Post about it on those places I don't hang out, like Facebook, you know. 
review the podcast in your podcaster of choice. All of these things, they support the show too. They support the show very effectively by increasing the audience. It is a fact of life that less than 1% of the audience will ever contribute financially to the show. But nonetheless, it's a percentage. So the bigger the pie, the more money in the small slice of said pie that comes back to me every month. Therefore, the easier it is for me to pay my bills. Now, I am happy to say that the podcast is on a break-even basis month to month. My monthly bills are covered. But of course, monthly bills aren't the only thing you need because software needs to be renewed from time to time. Hardware needs to be renewed from time to time. And sometimes you just kind of want to make things a little bit better. So I do not expect this to break even for quite some time. But I have made a wee investment. There might be a Mac Studio with my name on it somewhere between China and Ireland. It is due to arrive here on the 30th of September. I don't expect podcast subscriptions to pay for that Mac Studio. But it would be nice if they contributed a bit. You know, maybe cover the new boom arm because at the moment the one I have isn't quite long enough for my desk. So I also splashed out a new boom arm um, and then the boom arm had a built-in XLR cable so then I needed an audio interface. So I have an audio interface coming and then everyone who who is my mentor in podcasting land, swears by Stream Decks. So I bought me one of those too. So anyway, if you were ever wondering, gosh, you know, when's a good time to give Bart a little one-off support? Yeah, now. Now will be a good time. Like I say, I don't expect the podcast to cover those bills. But every little helps. Anyway, I've been rambling on for far too long. You will find the detailed show notes, which show you the, all the stories I've been reading this month to inform my rambling thoughts on the month's worth of news. You'll find them all at less-talk at I've been your host, Bart Bouchot, so you can find me at bartb.ie. Until next time, happy computing. The commercial guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.